Welcome to Book World, The Great Escape. I'm author C.J. Peterson, and my co-host from Pointing the Right Direction is author Michael Scott Clifton. <laughs> Today, we have a special guest, author Gregory D. Little. Welcome, Greg. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. Talk to you in just a few minutes. In the meantime, Greg, how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was good. Uh, I'm in major crunch mode with the third book in my series, which I owe next week about this time. So I that's that's all I'm doing right now with any spare time I have. <laughs> that happens. Mike, how was yours? Uh, it's been real busy. Uh, this weekend uh, will be at the Winsboro Book Festival and another fellow author will be there. Nancy Hudgens, a.k.a. Dana Wayne. She writes under the name Dana Wayne. Hopefully, the weather permitting, uh, you know, we'll we'll be able to uh, attend and have a good time. So always, they always have a good turnout. Uh, this next week, my wife and I will be taking a cruise. CJ, oh. so we will we will be going on a cruise and haven't been to one in five years since pre-COVID. Mm. So we're really really wow. looking forward to that. We've always enjoyed them. Because you're waited on hand and foot and you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Which is, so it's very relaxing. And uh, come back. The, um, the, the week we come back, I'll be on a guest on the Voice of Indie podcast, which you have been on as well, CJ. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, then starting in June, I'll be at at least one Comic-Con sometimes two every month from now on until December. Wow. Busy so, um, guy. So yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be fun time. Most of the ones I've been to before, I've gone to a couple new ones, uh, one in uh, Tulsa and being another one in Jackson, Mississippi, which I've not been to before. And uh, so Melanie is my, my captive help. So we, who will be coming with me, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> Mostly she likes it. So, yeah, that's that's what's up with me. Awesome. Well, last weekend I got to speak at the Northeast Texas Writers Organization Spring Conference. That was super fun. I was with Stone Key, who has been a guest here, as well as Dana Wayne, who has been a guest here. We were all three um, speakers there and had an awesome time. Great group of people met I love doing those because of the networking. Um, we talked to them about podcasts, talked to them about book world as well as magic making mischief. And a few of them said they were thinking about starting some. So stay tuned for some popping up here and there. Um, next weekend, I'm going to be, as you mentioned before, at Kilgore Geek End, um, rain permitting, um, because we've got like a 30% one day and a 40% the next. And if you remember, Kilgore Geek End is like a street fair meets a Comic-Con. If they had a baby, that would be Kilgore Geek End. So most of it is outside. If it does go on, I will be in one of the inside places where they generally are going to have the panels and stuff. There will be some tables set up there and I will be in that section. So make sure to look me up if you're going to be there. Um, and then, so you mentioned that you're going on a cruise next week. So because of that, there will be no book world next week, but we will return the week after. And we will have... Dun, the dun, following dun. week. Oh, we'll next actually. week will be the following week. Okay, next week will be, it's in the details, yeah. and we'll talk about that in a little bit, what that means. So we will be here next weekend, but the two weekends after that, we will not be here. One, he'll be on a cruise on the 17th and the 24th. So we're going to be in California, so not going to be here. 
Um, so just kind of give you guys a heads up in your ca in your calendars for that. Um, so Mr. Greg Little, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So your genre is dystopian, sci-fi-ish sort of. Can you explain mm -hmm. what that means? Well, I guess dystopia would be, you know, I guess if a utopia is a society where everything has gone right, a dystopia is a society where it's the opposite. Everything's gone wrong. Uh, everyone's sort of succumbed to their worst impulses, uh, be that the leadership or the society at large. And uh, things are not good uh, for wh whoever your characters are. They're usually living in some sort of oppressive regime or something like that. Um, there's a constant state of fear or mistrust or paranoia in play. There's enough, any number of different ways you can approach it, but that kind of gives you a general idea of what sort of uh, world you're looking at. And I think everyone, if you think about it, is familiar with some famous examples of dystopian stories in the recent past. Like Divergent and honestly, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. And now yours has a bit of a sci-fi twist. How do you bring sci-fi into dystopia? Um, well, there's a, any number of ways you can do it. In my case, there's sort of an alien invasion element uh, coupled with a disease that may or may not be related to that said invasion. And then because it's a near future type science fiction set in a, the last city on Earth, it's an Earth that's been overrun by these alien monsters, you can, because of the science fiction aspect, you can bring in kind of a surveillance state into it, and a, a, you mm. know, a, a elements of the city leadership that are um, observing everything you do, uh, keeping tabs on people. Everyone's afraid to step out of line because of what might happen to them. Maybe someone disappears, or um, the only thing you know, it's a, it's an even bet whether you're more scared of your own government or the aliens that are trying to break into the city and eat you, you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Which one first? Yeah, not good. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a new book that just came out last week. What is that called? It is called I have it right here, uh, "The Dying World." It is book two of Mutagen Deception, which is the series we're talking about, mm -hmm. and. Um, it continues, I, I would call it the, the, the end of the arc that the first book, The Last Humans, began last year. Um, there's, there's sort of, it's, it's, the, the series will continue beyond this, but I view it as a series of kind of three acts, and the second book ends kind of the first act. So um, it doesn't, if you, when you get to the end, you'll, you'll, it's very evident that the series is not over, but it's also very evident that everything is going to change uh, going forward and that nothing will be like you uh, like you've seen it before and that's kind of a I guess an issue with all my books or issue a, a feature of all my books where I get very bored with status quos and like to blow them up basically as soon as they form um, and, I love that idea yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, you're good <laughs> Nothing stays yeah. still for long, uh, and as soon as you might think that they're settling in, something horrible is going to happen, mm -hmm. uh, or or interesting will happen to upend everything. So, mm -hmm. now so we I talked before, and you're not just a pantser. I have a friend who's like, I tell him he's like pantser to like the nth degree because he will <laughs> one chapter here, one chapter there, and that's somewhat what you do, isn't it? That that how. I I do. I do. I'll state that, you know, 
I'm I'm a pantser, except in the fact that I know how the story will end. The first thing I always envision is the ending of the story, and then the second thing I envision is how the how the story starts. And so that that does bound things somewhat. It doesn't leave you with infinite options. But from there, I start writing. I'll I'll think of an interesting scene that would fall in between those two points, and I'll write it, and then I'll think, okay, what might flow out of this interesting scene, or what might lead up to this interesting scene, and I'll write that. And I'll jump around any given day with whatever seems like the most interesting. And then at a certain point, I'll reach, you know, three quarters of my expected word count. And I'll say, okay, it's time to start at the beginning now and move chronologically through my scenes and just sort of stitch everything together. And sometimes that involves getting rid of scenes that are obsolete or rewriting them to fit with what's what's happened since, especially stuff that I wrote early on. Um, It's not the most efficient way of writing, uh, but the way that... For me and it's what it's what keeps me interested I, I tease people that if i were an outliner um which is a way more efficient way of writing i would probably never write the book because <laughs> all the all the fun part would be over yeah. mm-hmm. the sort of discovering of the story would be over and that's the fun part for me yeah. so let me make sure i understand you so <laughs> so you don't chronologically follow okay write chapter one write chapter two write chapter three you get an idea and you go with it and you write it out. It may be a complete chapter, may not. And then another idea comes along. It's part of the story. You write that out. And then you reach a point where you take the things that you've written and you try to tie them all together in a logical sequence. Yeah, we had a hold on. We had a camera issue here. Let me see if I can resolve this. Can you still hear me at least? Yes. Okay, good. Um, pause. Yeah, my screen went dark and suddenly my camera was not doing it. Was... Hey, it happens. That's All the right. beauty of life. Well, well, I got to say, if that's the way you do it, Gregory, I agree. I agree, CJ. You have given the term pantser a whole new meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Well, I don't know. Do you want to try to jump out and come back in? Let's try this. Control. There, there we go. go. There we go. We're back. All right. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it's over now. Um, Basically, he was asking if that's how you actually wrote, where you would kind of. Yeah, that's more or less it. And, um, it. It's just how I've always done it, and it seems to work for me. And uh, um, I'm kind of afraid to change it up too up too much now because maybe that'll just break my, <laughs> my whole process. Well, well I, I mean, it. I mean, it's fascinating, really. But do you find that you might have to do some extra writing because yeah. the scenes don't ex- actually fit exactly, so you have to change it up a bit to uh, sort of like you were saying, stitch it together. I've, yeah, I found, yeah, there's always been an, an, a little bit of overwriting because I have to go through and change something or um, sometimes sometimes I'll have to drop an entire scene because it just doesn't work anymore. But even in that process, having written it in the first place will have led me to something else that does work. So mm-hmm. I don't get too stressed out about it. And I, I do find that the more books I write, the the more, the, the less total ditching of scenes i have to do so i'm getting better at kind of not even writing it in the first place if i don't think it's going to fit um Mm -hmm. kind of um 
yeah. So it's well, I, it's it's a weird way of writing, but <laughs> I did I did uh, of course I think CJ knows this. My first book, I did write the ending first, and I thought it would be a good idea to write each chapter in the backwards sequence. Mm. And got about halfway through, <laughs> and decided that I would that I must have been on some sort of pain meds or something while I was doing that. <laughs> and uh, never, ever, ever, ever did that again. Uh, it, it was probably the hardest writing I've ever done in all the writing, all the years I've been writing now. So, uh, uh, I mean, I my hat's off to you if you can do that. I can't <laughs> do things backwards. Like, I even had a concussion. My husband's like, well, tell me the numbers backwards by twos. I said, I can hardly do them forwards by twos. I'm like, I cannot imagine writing a book backwards. Kelly says, Greg. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fascinating on how you can just pick and pop them in there like that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get it. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Best yeah. to you. That's the beauty of the author world. There are so many different types of us that it makes it such yeah. a wonderful eclectic mix and colorful. Yeah, I do think I do think as far as what it brings to the table is it does give everything a very organic feel when everything is said and done um, because it's it has sort of grown organically in a lot of ways. Um, so it, it gives it, it does, so you know, so there's always books where you can tell the writer outlined it because there's almost a mechanistic feel to everything where it's like it's almost so outlined that it feels like they're kind of it's a kind of writing by numbers. And not every outliner does that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with outlining. <laughs> like I said, if I, if I could do it, I would, because uh, it would be way more efficient. But um, but I do think that's one advantage of the pantsing approach mm -hmm. is that it does feel like it grows a little bit more oh, yeah. um, organically. Mm -hmm. uh, Kelly says you're brilliant. No, thanks, she Kelly. Said, and very patient with rewriting when his mean <laughs> Ke Kelly is wonderful to work with because even when we don't agree on an aspect of the book, something that isn't working, she always gets what I'm going for and doesn't try to transform it into something that it isn't supposed to be. And, and I've, you know, you work with editors and not every editor sees the book the same way you do. Um, and so it's important to find someone who has either shares your vision or understands what your vision is enough to sort of keep the, in, from injecting theirs into it. Um, and that, she's very the words mean and old and Kelly in the same sentence just don't go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love working Sorry, with Kelly. Kelly. Those two don't go together. Well, but. Gregory, um, two questions. How did you get start writing? How did you get your start? And why dystopian fiction? Um, as far as how I got started, uh, back in, I want to say middle school, um, a friend and I, we just, we, I, I was right at the age of, of being the perfect age to start reading all the Star Wars expanded universe books when those started coming out. Gotcha. And, and that was like kind of a mind blowing experience. Um, uh, at the time, like, oh, the story can continue in book form. And so a friend and I started writing our own Star Wars book in a three ring, in a spiral notebook. And we would literally, I would write a chapter and then he would write, and then I'd hand it to him. And there would be no consultation and he would write a chapter and he'd hand it back to me. 
And what this quickly turned into, as you can probably guess, is you each of us would end the chapter in some ridiculously impossible situation for the characters to get out of. It's kind of like a dare for the other person to I dare you to get them out of this kind of thing and then <laughs> hand it to them. So it was not great fiction. Um, it was more of like, you know. It's a great like, challenge writing exercise. Yeah. Though. Yes, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I still have that somewhere buried in a closet, but um, uh, that was where I first decided I liked writing and that it was fun. And as far as I, as far as how I got into dystopian, I didn't set out intentionally writing dystopian, like I'm going to write a dystopian, but my epic fantasy series on willing souls that what I did before this series is also dystopian in its own way. So uh, clearly there's something there. I think, I think what it is, is I'm, I'm fascinated by the ways that kind of ordinary people can in sort of living out their lives to, to in, in ways that, that make their, make sense to them on a day-to-day -day basis sort of give rise to kind of a tragedy of the commons where it, it not, not that they're intending to do so, but it just sort of leads to a bad place. And then you, all you need is a kind of bad actor type leader to come in and try and twist everything to their own ends to turn it into a dystopia. So that just, that kind of um, people, people behaving under perverse incentives has always been an interesting thing for me. And I think that's in spades exemplified in a dystopian story so. mm -hmm. definitely um it's kind of like that one show revolution too mm -hmm. another one where everything went dark or even like the um jericho when the nuke went off yeah yeah mombi says hi and uh, kelly says we need to do that on monday night i'm assuming that was the writing challenge oh yes there and you go mombi says that normal people can become a villain and they can yeah yeah, and that's that's a fun um, that's a fun thing that I explore somewhat in this series as well, uh, without getting too specific. <laughs> I always like it when you can get the reader to understand the method behind the madness, so to speak. Yeah, the villain. If they can get to understand and even somewhat sympathize with the villain, then you've actually done your job because you've taken that person and made them an actual person. Yeah, and and so in this in this series, as an example of that, we've got you know there's really good reasons on some level for why there's this really powerful central authority trying to clamp down on everything because you've got these alien monsters outside the city walls trying to break in at all times, mm -hmm. and then on the inside there's this phenomenon where call where any time a person gets injured, this could happen to anybody in the city. There's this strange gen strange malady called hypermutation which uh where any injury or sickness could prompt them to suddenly go rapid lethal mutation where they start sprouting all kinds of weird limbs and eyeballs and stuff and they die horribly and it can spread from one person to another so again there's there's very in some ways there's very good reasons for why people would want to kind of clamp down and be very in control of what's going on in this in this world so you can, but then at the same time, there's a lot of evidence that there's other shady things going on and that mm -hmm. they're using the excuse of this to do other things that are not as uh, necessary, perhaps. Kind of like brings the question up, but what freedoms would you give up in the name of safety? Exactly. Which is a perennial, I think, question that we've seen a lot in the last couple decades. Uh, Mombi says that's interesting. 
So Sam, the series itself that we're currently talking about is what series again for those that are just it's the, it's the mutagen deception series and the, the first book's called the last humans and the book that just came out last week is the dying world very good covers by the way thank you um yes i i really stephanie saw did the cover art and she does a fantastic job mm -hmm. sounds uh, like you have a apocalyptic kind of uh vibe to it as well there's a post-apocalyptic yeah yeah vibe to it for sure with the alien invasion and this disease um and this being the last city um so yeah that, that's definitely an element uh to it kelly's and, oh it's interesting <laughs> and terrifying and mobbing wants to know was this inspired by 2020 perhaps it was not. Uh, I actually wrote the first draft of the first book way back in like 2012. So uh, I can't claim, but it seems newly relevant now <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, I guess some things just uh, circle wow. back into relevance. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it, uh, it, it, was, it was a little eerie when I was reworking that for, for Kelly it, during 2020. <laughs> So you have, you have an alien invasion. Yep. You have, uh, you have a despotic government um, that apparently, uh, you know, uh, is very authoritarian. And on top of all of that, you have a uh, a disease, a, a, a terrible disease, that causes mutations. And I'm assuming anyone that gets that catches that has to be put down like a say a rabid dog or something like that yes um in fact and it, and it filters down into all aspects of society where you know they can't even they can't drink out of glasses because broken glass might you know mm. someone drops a glass it might cut you and even a cut can potentially and, it, and there's a it's a probability it's not not like literally any injury will result in this happening, but there's always a chance, right? And just there being a chance, you know, it might be a low probability, but the sort of low probability catastrophic outcome is Lethal. enough to keep people very afraid. So it's um, a cut. Is it, would, would a, like catch a cold, do something like that? Uh, potentially, potentially, yeah. It's, uh, and the other thing is, is part of the, part of the government uh, as is an an organization that is that that holds very tightly to all information about this disease mm -hmm. and keeps people somewhat in the dark. So people tend to defer toward reacting towards you know fearing any kind of injury, any kind of illness because they don't have the information because that's being sort of withheld from them. Uh, it's sort of a way to control the population. Potentially, yeah, and uh, and our the main character. Yasmina is actually she's running to be a magistrate of her ward at the start of the book because she wants to kind of shake things up, get things moving. And then it's not really a spoiler because it's like chapter two. The night she wins, she goes to find her boyfriend who mysteriously did not show up to her victory party um, and, and who's been acting weird lately, which gets explored a little bit and finds him dead and i won't describe the exact circumstances but it it is dead in such a way that it seems like it's a warning pointed straight at yasmina um mm. from parties unknown and so now in addition to the aliens and the disease now she has this some group or person or persons are seemingly targeting her 
and her, uh, which given that she's just won a considerable amount of power in the city, seems like it might not be a coincidence. As Mombi says, they just have all the luck. <laughs> so we've got yes. about five minutes left. If there was one gold nugget that you would give somebody who's, let's, let's separate this out, wanted to write dystopian or AKA apocalyptic kind of type thing, what would you tell them? Um, for dystopian, I would say um, make sure there's something, some glimmer of hope or brightness in there. It can't be just relentlessly nonstop grindingly grim because that will that that'll turn off a lot of people from reading though there's some people who will endure that but not as many as if you give them something to latch on to and it you know it could be like in mine there's little moments of humor there's a few relationships even though it's a a series about uh conspiracy and mistrust and betrayal there's a few relationships that you can look at and say i'm confident that this is a, a real true you know, bond between characters that isn't going to even if something bad happens to the characters, the the, the relationship between them won't won't cr won't crumble. You need to give them something, some some light in the darkness, <laughs> or else or else it's just too much. Don't well, kill all the characters. Kill yeah, all the characters. <laughs> just yeah, most. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm um, a literary assassin, so I get it. You you got yes. some people just got to die. You just got to kill. Um, them. And what was the other category you wanted? Sci-fi. Sci for sci-fi, um, I think it's helpful. You know, there's different degrees of how sciencey a science fiction is. This is definitely not hard sci-fi in any way. None of the stuff I biologically describe could happen. Um, but it's, but I know that for a fact. It's helpful to know what kind of rules you're breaking in the science, to do it deliberately and not just kind of haphazardly. Mm -hmm. Um and then you have a more, I think, a better command over what kind of story you're telling and what degree of, of, of science is involved in your science fiction. Have so, you ever written something and kind of then later researched and like, oh, I actually got that right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I've done it the other way too, where I was like, uh-oh, that's, <laughs> I thought that was one way and that's not actually that way. Um, but yeah. So you try to include, uh, you try on with the science fiction, even though fiction indicates not a fact you try to tie it into something that logically or that, that theoretically uh am i putting that right that yeah i try i try to hide, well, I, I try to well i try to tie I, I try to include realistic science where it's possible right. and and then right. when the story calls for something else that's okay but i try to at least be aware of that fact and not just sort of do do it haphazardly i try to make it a deliberate choice okay i'm going to ignore science here because sure. it makes for a better sure. story yeah i get you it yeah. yeah very cool well thank you so much for coming on you're a real treat um for those who are interested it's author greg d little there is another greg little out there so make sure you're looking for greg d little his website is www.gregorydlittle.com that's www.gre G O R come by Y <laughs> D L I T T L E dot com. So make sure to look him up. Uh, his story sounds fascinating. This is book two. When is book three potentially coming out? Uh, next April. Next April. So you've already got it going in the works then. Yeah, I, I'm turning it in, I hope, next week. <laughs> so how many are gonna be in this series? Uh, we're we're looking at six. Okay. So so kind of well, three... I know you mentioned that there were 
three scenes is it like three, three acts of two books each kind of so each each two books will be kind of um <laughs> kelly yeah she's usually the one interviewing me um, kelly, it's so good to see you answer someone else's questions for a change for those yes, who are uh, so yeah kind of three acts of two books each so you can sort of expect that each each two books will be will, will sort of tell a a sub story of the larger story um, awesome well we're looking forward to it but then the first two books are out for those who are interested yes i actually have another series out as well I do. Um, Unwilling Souls is an epic fantasy. It's four books, um, and it's uh, it's it's complete now, so you can grab it. There's even an omnibus edition on ebook that if you want to just grab the whole thing for nine ninety nine, I think you can do that. Oh, cool! Um, and then starting next year, set in the same universe as Unwilling, or sorry, as Mutagen Deception, we're we're going to be launching a uh, a new series that is a a science fiction dark comedy murder mystery series. So set in the same universe, but kept separate aside from a little crossover point because the tones are different and we don't want to confuse people too much. So well, very cool. I have one minute left. Is there anything you'd like to add? I uh, just thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And uh, yeah, I will say if you uh, folks sign up for my mailing list, um, you know, I, I try not to inundate people. You can go to my website and do that. And I don't inundate you. It's one one email a month. Um, so I keep it pretty pretty uh, sparse. I won't clog your inbox. Awesome. Again, again, for those who are interested, it's www.gregoryd.com. So make sure to look him up, check him out, check his books out. If you're interested in dystopian sci-fi type stuff, this sounds interesting. So make sure to look him up. All right. We'll check you guys next week when it's all about the details. See you then. Bye. 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 -bye.